a sewage leak. That stinks. I had a sinkhole and a tornado on my watch. And both times, uh, we saw the church really rally and come together. Uh, and like this morning, uh, didn't know how many people are going to show up. It's, you know, it's 4th of July week. Uh, you know, there's the pastors not here. Uh, there's no junior church. There's no Sunday school. Um, you know, it's hot. The parking's going to be a mess. And yet you've come out for the right reason, to worship God and because you love your church. That's what I always loved about church planting. This is a church planter's dream right here. Uh, this kind of facility and Starbucks in the lobby. And boy, I'm telling you, you keep everybody awake. About a month ago, Jeff called and asked if I would preach. Uh, July 8th, I spent about 10 days or so just praying and asking God what he wanted me to preach. And I really felt like he gave me a message. And I was developing it, and I was so excited, and I just couldn't, uh, couldn't wait. And then Thursday, I got the call, and I said, well, I wonder if I should change my message. And I said, no, when God gave me a message for July 8th, he knew we were going to be at the Sheraton. And he knew every single person that was going to be here. So I trust that uh, he is honored by you making a little extra effort uh, this morning uh, to attend church and to worship him. And I trust that uh, you all be in prayer for the church. Uh, this is a, this, it's a mess. It's a mess. And this is a time where we need to rally and have this sense of ownership that, yes, this is Jesus' church, but this is my church too. It's your church, and you've taken uh, vows, and we need to be committed to rally around. What can we do to help uh, at this time? So um, one thing you do is you support the church and its worship and its work, and that's what you're doing this morning. Now, I, I want to talk this morning about a duel, a duel in the Bible. And um, I want to, it's between Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal. It happens on Mount Carmel. Now, some of you remember something about that story, but, I, but let's, uh, uh, let's revisit it this morning. Let's look at it a second time. Now, um, it's, uh, it's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, we printed a lot of those, and I'm sure that some of you have that. It's very important that you follow along. I'm going to go verse by verse uh, exposition with this. So uh, if you have your Bible, that's great. Uh, who might not have one of those sheets that might have come in late? If you don't have a sheet, if you would raise your hand, and if you've got an extra one, if you get it to people around you. Okay, um, 
Now let's set the stage for this duel. In the Old Testament, uh, especially the Old Testament, but it's really been true with God's people uh, forever. Uh, we go all the way back to Judges. And there seems to be a cycle of spiritual um, growth or lack of it. And, and you can look at it like a, a, a clock, the circle of a clock. And at 12 o'clock, the people were walking with the Lord. And then at 3 o'clock, the people were doing their own thing. They were not walking with God. And so at 6 o'clock, God loves them so much that he disciplines them. He reproves them. And then at 9 o'clock, they repent of their sin. And they go back to God. They walk with him a God. Walk with him again at, uh, at 12 o'clock. Now, this is a time when King Ahad became king in Israel. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29 and 33, that he becomes king uh, for 22 years. Verse 33 of, king, uh, of chapter 16 says, he does more to provoke Jehovah God than all the kings who went before him. He was an evil king. So we had the people walking with God at 12 o'clock. And at 3 o'clock, the people are really disobedient. So God is going to send, uh, uh, send punishment on him down at, down at 6 o'clock. God says that he's uh, going to send a famine. There'll be no rain for three years. And he sends Elijah to go and tell King Ahab that. And, you know, he doesn't really believe him. And the people of God, the Israelites, they don't really believe him until, you know, a little time goes by and there is no rain and there is a famine. And lo and behold, being such an agrarian, uh, you know, economy, they were totally dependent upon rain. So instead of them uh, uh, repenting, uh, they just continue to follow uh, the, the false gods. These are God's people now. They, they continue in this, uh, uh, you know, backslidden condition, if we might call it. So God says, I'm ready to deliver the people. But first I'm going to have them, uh, I'm going to prove that I am God to them. And so he says, Elijah, I want you to go back. Three years, it's been three years. I want you to go back and I want you to challenge King Ahab for him to bring all of his false prophets uh, to Mount Carmel and we will uh, we'll have a duel. So that's where we come to at 1 Kings uh, 18, verse uh, 16. Remembering we're reading the very word of God. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and Ahab told, and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you, you troubler of Israel? He, and Elijah said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Elijah said, don't blame this on me. I'm the messenger. I'm the messenger of Jehovah God, your God, Ahab. 
and all the people's God. We are the covenant people. You have been disobedient. Elijah sets out his plan. Verse 19 and 20. Now then, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. All right, now, let's try to picture this, try to visualize this. Let's, let's get this on YouTube here. They come together and Elijah says, I want to challenge them, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, the sex goddess. Well, only the 450 prophets of Baal show up. We're not sure exactly why. But Elijah says, I want to challenge them. And he says, here's how I want, I want to do it. I want them to be on one side and I'll be on the other. Now, let's, uh, let's kind of, I, I visualize this like a football field. And uh, Elijah tells all of the Israelites, he says, now you get in the stands, you get in the bleachers, and I want you to watch this contest, watch this, this duel. And you have 450 prophets of Baal on one side of the football field. And just think how many 450 are. Think of a football field, think of, you know, a marching band. And, you know, some of the big marching bands have 300 uh, people in them and they fill up a whole field. So uh, 450, there are a lot of prophets of Baal here. And Elijah is on the other side. Here's what he says to do. 21, Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Now, why didn't the people answer him? All of a sudden, they're in the stands and Elijah comes and he confronts them with the truth, confronts them about their sin, confronts them about their double-mindedness, confronts them about their lack of following God, confronts them about, uh, about treating Jehovah God, their God, their covenant-keeping God, with one of the other gods of all the Baals. People didn't say a word. Well, they were probably convicted, yes. They probably also are kind of enjoying the lifestyle. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a while. The time draweth nigh. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and will not put a fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. <laughs> Boy, they're gonna get off easy. Now they're not gonna have to make a choice until they see which God is God. Great idea, Elijah. Finally, you've come up with a good idea. So what we have now is we've got 450 prophets. We go back to our video and, and they are going to make an altar 
And uh, these four and fifty are going to be calling on their individual gods to come down and to consume their offering. They cut up an oxen and consume their offering. Then after they do it, then Elijah's going to do it. Verse uh, 26. Then they took the ox which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. It came about noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside or or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. Can you picture this? I mean, I, I... my, I kind of picture this, that these guys, they started the morning and they got the, and they're leaping about the altar and going crazy till the noon. And Elijah, you know, I kind of picture him just kind of, you kind of laying down on one elbow, maybe got a twig in a, you know, in mouth. And, and about noon, he starts to mock them. Hey, hey, call a little louder, baby. He can't hear you. He's taking a nap. He's on a journey. He's occupied. Uh, There's a word here in the Hebrew that says maybe he's gone to the bathroom. (laughs) Elijah is trying to show not the prophets of Baal. He's trying to show all the people in the stands, us, at Orangewood, July 8th, at the Sheraton Maitland, that our God is omnipotent, all-powerful, is omniscient, all-knowing, is omnipresent. He can be everywhere. Verse 28. So they cried out with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Can you picture this? When midday was past, They raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered, and no one paid attention. Now picture this. Back to the video. From early morning, they were leaping about. At noon, he mocks them, and all afternoon now, it says they cut themselves. And it says, it doesn't say they're bleeding. It says the blood gushed out. That's the word that God uses uh, for us to contemplate. So now we've got a pretty sorry looking group of 450 prophets of Baal. And it's Elijah's turn. Verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. The people out of the bleacher, out of the stands. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Now, let's pause there just for a second. We're not supposed to add any words of scripture, and I certainly don't want to be guilty of that. But as I'm picturing this, 
I'm picture Elijah says, hey, all of you out of the stands, come get a little closer. I want you to watch and I want you to listen. And Elijah starts by getting 12 stones, big stones, symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel, which all, every one of them was a member of one of those tribes. And he'd bring that rock over, uh, you know, and he'd place it down and maybe Elijah say, this is for the tribe of Judah. Get another one, bring her, this is for the tribe of Benjamin. Next one, this is for the tribe of Reuben. And he goes all through it, all 12. And I imagine if you uh, or I were there and we were of that particular tribe, when he put that rock down and he says, this is for your tribe, Chuck Green, you are a member of the covenant family. You are a member of the remnant that God has saved. Imagine that I'd cringe a little bit as they would. Elijah is drawing them back to their heritage. He goes back in verse 32. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. Can you picture this now? Elijah, this isn't an illusion. We don't have David Blaine up here. We're, uh, I don't want any illusion. And he pours water over it one time, two times, three times. A trench. Nobody is going to say this was a trick. 35, 36. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now, let me pause right there. It's interesting that, that almost every time in the scriptures, when we have an appeal to these three patriarchs, it's listed for us Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as we remember, Jacob's name is changed to Israel and he has 12 sons that are head of the 12 tribes. And so consequently, whenever we talk about uh, the prophets, it's Abraham, Isaac, and, uh, and Jacob. But here it's almost like Elijah wants them to hear that word Israel one more time to remind them that they are the remnant Israel. It says, Going back to the scripture, it says, uh, verse 36, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood 
and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Pretty dramatic demonstration, isn't it? Pretty dramatic demonstration what God will do to bring one of his children or a tribe or 12 tribes or a church back to himself to remind them, to remind them of who he is, to remind them of the sacrifice Not an ox, but a lamb, a spotless lamb, the lamb of God, God's own son that he sent to bleed and to die. And we don't like to, uh, we don't like to hear too much about Jesus' death on the cross, do we? We don't like to remember too much about the blood gushing out of his body. We don't like to think about the crown of thorns they didn't just place on his head, but probably pushed down on his head. Because every drop of that blood he shed for you and for me. And for those people back then. What does this mean to us? You know, I believe that it's the preacher's responsibility to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. (laughs) To comfort the afflicted. Some of you come here this morning and you're really hurting. Oh, you've got a smile on your face and you're covering it, but you're really hurting. You're you're in a famine. And has it been a while, weeks, months, a year, three years? You're in a famine, you want rain. Oh, God, deliver me out of this drought. God, deliver me. God, heal me. Heal me physically. Oh, God, heal my marriage. Or deliver me from my marriage. Oh God, this business situation, the financial situation, oh God, it's a drought. I can't see you, I can't feel you, I can't hear you. Oh my friends, I want you to hear him this morning. Because I want you to know that the same God who did this for Elijah is your God. The same God yesterday, today, and forever is Jehovah God. 
and he will deliver you. Maybe in this life, maybe not. But our job and our responsibility is to walk with him. So remember how much he loves us, that he went to that cross for you. That he loves you so much, he sent his son to that cross for you. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. Oh, those of you who need comfort this morning, may you find comfort in this passage. Comfort in how God uh, responded to his people. Comfort that you put one foot in front of the other and go day by day, trusting him by faith through the famine. Now, what about those of you who are comfortable? I wonder what your spiritual temperature is this morning. That'd be a pretty tough one, wouldn't it? You know, Revelation chapter 3, the word to the church of Laodicea could also be the word to the church at Orangewood this morning. There are two verses printed on the front of the bulletin. It says this, Revelation 3.15 says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Verse 19 says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. For behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in to him and sup with him, dine with him, and he with me. What is your spiritual temperature this morning? Where are you? Did you say you're lukewarm? Are you lukewarm? He says he doesn't desire you to be lukewarm. He says that um, we're to take our spiritual temperature. And if we go to a place like this on a day of worship and we hear God's word and God says this, then we need to realize that God's pretty serious. But God's pretty serious. And he wants you to get heated up. So I want to ask you this morning, what would it take? What step would it take for you to get heated up? Oh, maybe not a a blaming furnace, but to stir the embers a little bit. What step do you need to take? You know, God says, he says, I want you to be doers of my word and not just hearers only and deceive yourselves. If we come and we hear God's word and 
and we enjoy our fellowship and, and everything. And if we leave and if we don't act upon God's word, he says we're deceiving ourselves. Where are you on the clock? Are you walking with the Lord 12 o'clock? Are you 3 o'clock in disobedience? Oh, boy, my life is not any different than people who don't know the Lord. Are you at 6 o'clock? You feel the heavy hand of God on you? (laughs) Are you at 9 o'clock? All scripture is inspired. God breathed. By God and profitable for teaching, for training, for reproof, for correction, training in righteousness. May God be pleased with each one of us here this morning as we seek to be a doer of God's word and not just a hearer only. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this passage. I thank you, O God, for this reminder. God, I thank you for each person here this morning. God, you uh, directed them here. You had a, a reason for each person to be here, to go a little bit out of the way, to come here and worship. And as each of us, O God, have heard your word oh God may we be comforted by it but may we be challenged by it as well oh God may you send your spirit into our heart and reignite that fire help each person to make a decision before he turns off the light tonight to take a step toward heating up his or her fire. We will give Jesus all the praise as we pray in his name. Amen.